Hey everybody, I'm back. And yeah, my voice is still a little bit squeaky. I uh, COVID is not quite done with me yet, but I do feel better. So I'm here because I have committed to being here every single week to give you the content you need so that you could be the best leader that you could be. And so one of the things I want to tackle this week is the notion of change or resistance to change. You're a new manager, you've just started in a leadership position, and you've got this team that you're trying to help shepherd through a process of change and you're getting tons of resistance and you're not exactly sure how to manage this. So this week we're going to look at the issue of change and the resistance to it. All right, so let's jump right in. Um, You know, as long as I've been a leader and a manager and I've been in leadership positions for the past 20, 25 years or so in my career, I can tell you that when we talk about change, we often talk about it in terms of change management. I have an issue with this. The reason why I have an issue with change management is because that implies that change is happening to you. It's happening to the group, not with, not for, not in collaboration with, but two. And in some cases, that is in fact the case. That's what's happening. But what I really want to point out here is we need to start reframing this. As leaders, we have to reframe change management into change leadership. And that's because this should not be about making changes to a group or an organization, but rather encouraging, bringing along, involving, and getting people to be willing, to grow willing to follow you in this new direction or the change that you're trying to make in an organization. Leadership is all about followers. You are not a leader unless you have followers. That's just plain and simple. It's, it doesn't get any more simple than that. As a new leader coming into the organization, you're going to have to ask yourself a few really key questions is you have to understand the context. You have to understand, especially if there's a lot of resistance to the change that's being recommended or being forced upon the team, if you will, you're going to, as a new leader, going to have to understand the context of the change. So is this a big change? Is this a structural change? Is this a, we're losing people being fired kind of change? Or is this a procedural change or a policy change that is going to affect maybe how we work or where we work or with whom we work? So it's really important to understand the background of the change itself. The other piece too is that you're going to have to look culturally at the organization as a whole. Has the organization tried to make changes in the past? And if so, were they successful in doing so? If they weren't successful, then it could be just a matter of the team saying, well, they tried making changes before and it failed. And then we ended up going back to what we wanted to do anyway. So if all we got to do is be like Survivor and be the last one on the island and just survive this one out, that eventually they'll go back to what we were doing before and this will never really pan out. So if change doesn't work before, there's a good likelihood or high likelihood that your staff think it's not going to happen again. The other piece too is that there may be change fatigue. Maybe this is the 10th time that a team has been shuffled, or maybe this is the 10th time they've experienced cuts, or maybe this is the 10th time, you know, that they've had to change a policy or a direction in how things are done. We just learned how to do these things the way we do it now. And now you're asking us to do it again in a different way for the 10th time. Again, have the context so that you can try to drive at the root because here's what it comes down to folks, regardless of the change, regardless of what you're trying to manage, At the end of the day, if you want to lead change properly, you are going to have to get to the root of why you're getting resistance. And this is not always an easy thing to do. It can be really complex, but remember, just like weeds, right? Just like weeds, resistance to change has to be uprooted entirely 
or it will sprout back up again. So you have to be really clear that you get to the root of why people are resisting this change. There are a few reasons why people might resist. It could be that they have a lack of knowledge. Maybe they don't really clearly understand the change. They're making assumptions in their head on how this change is going to affect them or what it means because no one has clearly communicated to them the stages, the phases, the impacts, the thinking process of the senior leaders, etc. So as a new leader in the organization, it is imperative that you share and communicate the actual change process. What are the, going to be the steps? What can be expected in each step? What are the impacts of each step? What are not the impacts of each step? That's really important too, is to try to allay some fears and concerns that people may have about the change. You know, really give people as much information as you can possibly give them or that you're allowed to within reason because there may be legal or policy reasons why you can't share the full picture yet. But share as much as you can as a leader so that you can try to get as much information to the folks that are going to be impacted by these changes or be a part of or expected to be a part of this change. The other piece could be a fear of loss or a, maybe a little bit of grieving over losses that may be anticipated. This is really important. If there's a fear of loss, you really um, have to have an open conversation with your staff about this because one, you have to treat this as if somebody had lost a family member. In some cases, it feels that way. If you've worked in an organization for 15, 20 years and you've done something a certain way and now the CEO has passed on, a new CEO comes in and wants to make a whole bunch of changes, the people are going to resist it because they did it under Mr. McDonald this way for 20 years and now Mr. James wants to do it this way and we just don't understand why they want to do it this way. It worked just fine before. If Mr. McDonald hadn't died, we wouldn't be doing it this way. So you're going to get resistance. Here's the thing. People will grieve the loss of their security and their stability. It is human nature. Again, to bring back the brain and how it's wired. We are wired for safety. Change can inherently mean danger to us. Danger in how we can produce danger in how we show up to work every day, danger in whether we actually show up to work or, or if we're going to get fired. You know, change means potential danger. It signals stress in all human beings. So you need to honor that and have meetings to discuss these sensations, these feelings, and these thoughts that people are having in either an open forum or if you need to on a one-to-one -one basis for someone who's really troubled. The one thing I did when I had major changes happening is we had some major policy shifts in an organization that I was leading, and there was a lot of resistance. Oh, I mean, a lot of resistance, a lot of frustration, a lot of anger, uh, a lot of dilly-dallying in the job and not showing up to do the job in the way they should have. Uh, a lot of resistance to the changes. And so what I ended up doing is as the sort of the new leader is I started having team meetings <clears throat> as a whole to kind of flesh out these issues that would bring to the table, for example, a topic within the change management structure. So let's say we had a table or an agenda of uh, all of the different uh, aspects of the change that we're being expected to implement. I would pick a topic from that and say, okay, this is, we're going to talk about this this week. And we'd have a conversation about that. What are the impacts of this change? What does it mean to them and their day-to-day -day job? What are some of their concerns? I would hear them out, listen to some ideas and get a sense of that. Sometimes it was a bit of a bitch session and there's some allowance to that. If you're a leader, let people kind of bitch and complain at first but after a while that has to stop and you have to be more productive and I would eventually rein them in and say okay you've had your opportunity to express your frustration now I need solutions what are you guys looking for uh, that might help us to transition in a more smooth way have those team meetings and I did them weekly and for a while I had them every other day so you do what you need to do but ultimately group meetings is really important so that you can, everybody's on the same page about the changes and about the direction and we're all clear about what our roles are. Then there may be micro, even more micro team meetings with 
if you have a branch level meeting and you have then a directorate level meeting, if you're a big executive and then your directorate level meeting, maybe you break that into team meetings. It sounds like a lot of meetings, but here's the reality. When you're actually implementing a change as an executive or as a leader in the organization, whether you like it or not, this is going to be very time consuming. Because if you want to be successful in that change management initiative, if you want to show your senior leaders that this can happen, you're going to have to have frequent and open dialogue with your staff. Because if you don't, you will not be successful in your change initiative. You'll get too much resistance. Timelines won't be respected. Senior management is going to start questioning your ability to lead this. They're going to start asking you, are you okay? Are you fit for this? Is this too much for you? People are going to start leaving. You're going to have high rotation. You're going to have a degree of dissatisfaction. There's going to be bitch whining, complaining behind you. And the toxic culture will start to really grow because it's like mushrooms. If you don't pick them properly, they just start to populate everywhere. So you need to kind of nip all of that in the bud right off the bat. Have open conversation with your staff. And I truly mean this when I say have an open door slash open telephone concept. If somebody needs to talk to you directly, take the 15 or 20 minutes to have a conversation with them about their concern. I did. And not only did it increase the loyalty levels of my team, but it helped to allay fears and concerns. I would talk them through challenges, coach the team to success. When things would pop up for them, we would talk through it and figure out how to work through those issues. So I think, again, the key to this is open conversation. Now, when I say open dialogue, it does not mean repeating the media lines to your team on a regular basis. You don't go to meetings and say, here's the change. Here are the steps. Here's what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to do it. Okay, thanks. Bye. And you leave the room. Repeating the media lines, repeating the public domain, the story that you're telling everybody, the, te- the story you're telling your shareholders to your team members is not going to get you what you need to get the resistance to come down. What you need is to build trust, to show integrity, to honor people's feelings when they're stressed out, to be strict with people who maybe are being, um, who, you know, might need some discipline because they're maybe they're choosing language that's inappropriate, or maybe they're acting in a way that is inappropriate. Um, but at the end of the day, it's also showing some compassion for people that this is a time of change and can be really stressful for people. And sometimes people have really bad days. You give people, a, a, you know, an, a bad day, you give people a pass, right? For one day. But then after that, you say, okay, like you had a bad day. I get it. But now it's time to start working together. We need to all row together as a team. So this works. You need to ensure as a leader that the implicit and explicit values or behaviors of the organization align. That is not easy to do. So if this new change requires uh, a change in policy in terms of communications and how we communicate with each other, say you need to use a new process or a new information server or whatever, a new chat bot or whatever it is that you're chatting to your team with, don't use the old system use the new one. If you want your team to accept the change, you yourself have to accept the change. You have to actually participate in the change. So as a leader, you can't go back to the old ways of doing things if you want your team to start moving towards the new way of doing business. So again, your implicit and explicit values or your implicit or explicit actions based on the change initiative in front of you, they have to align and they have to match. When you're listening to your staff and they make suggestions on maybe how to tweak things or maybe how they can somehow own some of the change, Where you have control or where you have a a sort of span of control, allow them to do it. Delegate those things to them. Let them own some of the change. Let them own how things are implemented. Remember the what and the why is often dealt by the senior management. The senior management will say, we want to make this change organizational because of these reasons why. And they may give you a hint on the how they want you to do it. But for the most part, most companies or most organizations are going to say, we need to move in this direction. 
And here's why we need to move in this direction. Make it so you have six months to do it. So as an organization, if you have any control over the how, then you want to make sure that you delegate as much of the how to your team as possible. So the people at the lower levels need to be owning some of the behaviors and some of the action, the activities and the action items that are part of the change management plan, because then they buy into it. They become part of the solution, part of the implementation, and they then own that section of the implementation and become a part of it, as opposed to being outsiders being forced upon them changes that maybe they haven't bought into yet. So again, if you can somehow ensure the success by identifying expectations, but then also allowing people to be a more participative in the implementation process, you're going to get more buy-in. The other piece is to really celebrate the low-hanging fruit. Wherever possible, if you can, uh, really celebrate those easy wins. You're in a meeting and somebody comes around and says, hey, you know what? I, I just clued in that this might be a good thing and here's why. Celebrate that. Say in that meeting, you know, say, you know what? I'll just throw a name out. John, I really do appreciate you coming on board because we can't do this without you, right? Or it wouldn't be as successful without you. So I'm so happy to hear that you're willing to help out on this piece. Celebrate it, honor them and recognize them in front of their peers. And again, that will go a long way to building your loyalty with them and their trust. Now it has to be authentic. It can't be fake and it can't be bullshit. It's got to be real. So if you're coming at this from a real place, you're not going to have any problems. And another thing you can do is if they say, you know, this is just too fast. It's too much, too soon, too fast. I can't do this. Then as a leader, what you can do is say, you know what? I get it. I hear you. Let me go to the senior leaders and see if we can push back on some of these timelines. If you can, and if it's at all possible, and it's not going to have a huge financial dollar impact or a huge implementation impact, maybe there's some wiggle room. Because most times when executives say they want it done by a certain time, they fully recognize that it's not going to be done in that time frame. And in the back of their minds, they know that it'll probably be done later, but they're trying to give you the tightest timeline possible, knowing full well you're going to come back and probably push back on timelines, right? So go back and push on those timelines and say, well, I did say we were going to do this in three months, but I've had conversations with my teams. We've talked about implementation and nobody's really being a stick in the mud here, but we really want to do this right. We want to make sure this change happens successfully. We're going to need six more weeks. We're going to need four more weeks. We're going to need more time on this particular part of the project or whatever. And try to get senior management to buy it. There's times you're not going to get anything back. They're going to say, nope, you said three months, get it done three months. Then you're going to have to work with your team to figure out how can we creatively do this. But as a leader, we want to be able to challenge the process and say, okay, you know what? I'll do what I can. But, you know, if we could just get a couple more weeks out of this, I'd appreciate it. And usually if there's any kind of wiggle room, you'll get it. So my point is, is that try to encourage as much as possible. And then when you go back, if you win, let's say even two weeks and you go back to your team, you say, you know what? I talked to the senior management and um, I managed to get us two more weeks. It's not great, but it's something. Then it looks like you went to battle for them and you won something and you really supported them in their desires. And again, you're building trust and you're building loyalty from your team because now you went to bat for them and you pushed for them to senior management, you got something back. So again, it's always worth a try uh, to see what you can push back on from, with your senior management so that you can support your team through the process. The other piece too is when you're implementing change, senior leaders often make uh, big sweeping statements about what they want to do to change in the organization, but they don't necessarily think of all the impacts or they might not actually think about the cycles or the efforts required in order to make that happen. They tend to think it's really simple. I used to hear from management all the time, well, it's just this, it's just this, it's just that. But the it's just part is filled by, you know, a thousand hours of this and a thousand hours of that and 20 FTEs or full-time equivalents to do this job. Sometimes we, senior leaders, they don't do it on purpose. They, they have big vision, they have big ideas, and they want big positive things to happen for their organizations. It's all coming from a place of profit and uh, making the company as successful as possible. But remember that sometimes they come at it a bit 
um, blind to what the, um, the actual requirements are to make that happen. So discuss with your team what is needed to be able to make the changes happen. It might be, um, there might be a gap in knowledge. It might be a gap in desire. It might be a gap in training. It might be a gap in funding. It might be a gap in whatever. Figure out what the gap is and then try to bridge or fill those gaps that have been identified by your team. You know, do they need the extra training? Do they need support? Do they need mental health support, for example, to manage the stress levels? Do they need support from an administrative perspective? Is the program that you're working with need to be customized differently in some way in order for something to happen more efficiently or more effectively? So look at where the gaps are and then identify again, what span of control do you have? What changes can you make within your team or what things that can you do as a leader to support your team? And then what do you have to go to senior management to ask for to ensure the success of this change? So remember that humans need to take steps and adopt change in a steadfast way. We need to get a sense of what the new normal is going to feel like. We need to know that the sky isn't falling and that life isn't going to fall apart on us because this change is being made. A lot of times we catastrophize in our heads as to what the end result is going to be when a change initiative comes forward. And so we tend to think, oh my God, we're never going to be able to settle into a new normal. This is going to be horrible. It's going to be all these things. But really when it comes down to it, once changes are made, even if they're slow, measured, tangible steps that are made in the change, your team will adjust to the new changes, realize again that the sky is not falling and they'll adapt to this new normal. So it takes time uh, for any change initiative to be successful. It takes time and you need to make sure that you identify those steps, identify the gaps and support your staff along the way as much as possible. At the end of the day, this is not an easy thing to do. It takes a lot of patience. It will grow you as a leader if you become a change leader uh, when you're being asked to make a, a major shift in your organization. This will definitely change you as a person and it will definitely grow you as a leader because you will need to be much more patient. You will have to watch your tone. You'll have to be more supportive than you've ever been before. You'll have to increase your communications with your staff and with your senior management and really be an advocate for those that work with you and for you. But I promise you that if you open up that dialogue and you work with your staff to really help them through the process, you're not only going to be able to get through the change, uh, you're going to build a team that is fairly indestructible because then you will have gone through this change together. You will have built loyalty and trust in you as a leader and you'll have them working for you in ways you'll never even imagine. I wish you luck with this. I know that this can be very trying times for leaders that are having to go through change. And God knows that with COVID, we've all undergone a ton of change already and a lot of organizations People are change fatigued. So I get that. I mean, I certainly was when I left my job. And if you need help with this, you know, you're a leader struggling with massive change in your organization and you're struggling with this resistance piece and you want some help with this, I can help you with this. You know, I can help coach you through it. Um, it's not easy. And uh, we have to work on your leadership capacity and skills, but I'm here to help you with that. Or if you just want a sounding board, an executive sounding board to help you work through these processes, somebody that you can depend on, that you can sort of tell Tell the secrets too, if you will, and not have to worry about the staff getting concerned. Because one of the last things you want to do is share your stress with your staff, right? We want to show solidarity. We want to show strength. We want to show our leadership to our staff. We, we can't be bitch whining and complaining about these hard decisions and these hard issues with our staff. And it's sometimes hard to go to our senior leaders because our senior leaders don't want you don't want them to know that you're struggling because you worry that they're going to think that this isn't that you're not good enough for the job. So if you're in that kind of middle stuck place where you don't want to talk to senior leaders because you're worried they're going to think you're a failure. You can't talk to your staff because you don't want to discourage them in any way or share any secrets potentially with them. I can be somebody who can help you out there. So if you want me to be an executive advisor, I can certainly do that too. So if you're interested in any of this, 
There's a link down below where we can book some time to have a conversation together and see how I can help you out. So that's it for this week, talking about change leadership. You know, we really do have to reframe the concept of change management to change leadership because without leadership, change doesn't work. It very rarely happens in a successful and positive way without proper leadership. So thanks again for being here this week. I will be here next week, hopefully even healthier with a better voice. <laughs> in the meantime, stay safe, everyone, and I'll see you next week.